صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد All praises to Allah All praises to Allah All praises to Allah who guided us to this who guided us to Islam and to Iman into his Mubarak house on this Mubarak day of this Mubarak month and we were not to be guided was it not that Allah had guided us Oh Allah to you is praise as is commensurate with the majesty of your countenance and the greatness of your authority Oh Allah we do not limit you with any praise we can come up with ourselves rather we admit that you are the only one who knows the true extent of your praiseworthiness and may the peace and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon his servant and messenger our master Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam May the peace and blessings of Allah Ta'ala be upon him and upon his noble companions and upon his pure wives and upon his Mubarak and blessed family and progeny and upon all of those who follow all of their way until the Day of Judgment. It is by the fadl of Allah Ta'ala that we have reached this, the second Jumu'ah in the Mubarak month of Ramadan. And we were not to be guided, was it not that Allah had guided us Brothers and sisters, this Mubarak month has so many different virtues. This Mubarak month has so many different openings that Allah Ta'ala gives to the believer. I myself oftentimes find myself, because of the work I do with the community, inclined toward pessimism with regards to the practice of people after dealing with their problems for the entire year and seeing trends and seeing how people behave with one another, seeing how people behave in institutions, seeing how institutions get run or don't get run, seeing how issues that need to be taken care of get neglected. And then the month of Ramadan comes, and the same people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows me that you're doubting these people and your bad opinion of these people, this was wrong, this wasn't your haq in the first place. Because look at those same people, they're the ones now, they're fighting each other, they're crowding out the first saf in the masjid, they're fighting each other for a place to enter into the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're fighting each other in order to give the same money that they're pushing, shoving each other out of the way the rest of the year in order to stuff in their pockets. They're fighting each other in order to do what? To do good things. Why? Because everything is like a marketplace. The prices of things go up and the prices of things go down. In this Ramadan, Allah Ta'ala, look at the genius that everyone fasts, the entire Ummah fasts, except for those people who have uh, some sort of excuse or inability. And so what happens? The demand for dunya goes down. When your demand for eating and drinking goes down, then necessarily what's pegged to the price, just like the, pe- the dollar, the, the value of the Saudi real is pegged to the dollar. Just like that, when the food and drink goes down, all of the other prices of things in the marketplace inside the hearts of people, all of the prices of other things in the dunya, they all necessarily, their price will go down. Why? Because the demand goes down. And also at the same time, what ends up happening, the price of ibadah, the price of things spiritual goes up. Why? Because the demand goes up. So people who weren't going to the masjid before now start coming to the masjid. People who are coming once a week start coming seven times a week. People who are coming once a day start coming several times a day. That same Salatul Isha in which people would pray four rakahs and go. Maybe they would pray their witr. Now they're adding the Salatul Taraweeh on top of it. The demand goes up, necessarily the value and the price of those things go up. And don't think that this has no effect on the hearts. This has a great effect on the hearts. 
It comes in the hadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That shaitan flows through, shaitan flows through the son of Adam like the blood flows through his veins. Shaitan flows through the son of Adam like the blood flows through his veins. So constrict the entry points of shaitan through fasting. Meaning what? That the, the, the blood pressure of a person who's been fasting for a long time, it literally necessarily will go down. This is how we would say it in like our whatever contemporary uh, uh, mode of expression. Literally like that, the, 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 the shaitan, the nafs, all of, these different, all of these different destructive influences on a human being. They flow through a person's vein like blood flows through that person's veins. So Rasulullah says restrict their access. You can't block them out 100%. Someone may say, well, shaitan is chained up in this. Uh, chained up in this month. That's like the maradatul jinn, like the, 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 the kuffar of the jinn according to the most correct position of the ulama and Allah Ta'ala knows best. But that doesn't mean that this month is free of evil influences. In fact, it's somewhat disappointing in this month that we blame many things on shaitan and then Ramadan comes around and we find the same bad impulses still are there inside of us. That means it's the locus of that impulse is not external, it's internal. We have to, we have to learn to deal with it. However, if a person is going to say, you know, get drunk, if a person is going to do drugs, if a person is going to steal, lie, cheat, murder, etc., etc., Allah Ta'ala protect us from all of these things. When are you more likely to do that? Are you most likely to do that when there's 15 minutes left until iftar? Probably not. Are you most likely to backbite somebody when there's 15 minutes left to iftar? I'm sure people do it. But statistically speaking, it's far less likely. My personal, my personal experience having dealt with people is that this is one of the best times to have a dars. This is one of the best times to teach something to the, to, to the public. Why? Because in other hours, random hours of the day, in random parts of the year, if you were to say something, there is a certain reflexive type of response that, that human beings have in general. And we as Americans, mashallah, we, uh, uh, you know, we have like, we've cultivated it to like a new uh, height, to a new like perfection, if you can call such a thing a perfection. Which is what you have to reflexively have some sort of objection to everything. You have to reflexively have some sort of objection to everything. So you tell someone, well, Shaykh, what about this? What about that? Shaykh, what about this? What about that? It's, a, it's, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. It's there in human beings, and it's, it's very much there in Americans. Actually, because I've traveled through different parts of the world, and I've taught Durus in different places. It's not even a matter, because somehow people think, well, no, it's because we're educated people, and uh, you know, we go to school. No, I've been to other places where people have been like university-educated people, madras-educated, all different types of education. This is a, something that we pride ourselves that until we've objected to something like 30 times, we don't feel like you know, we're... It's like, a, you know, it's like having dinner, but you haven't had dessert or coffee yet. Like it's, there's something incomplete, right? That time right before the, 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 the Salatul Maghrib, right before the Iftar, that last hour of the fast, it's a beautiful time to teach people things. Why? Because the reflexive need to object to things that are good, it's, 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 it's capacity is vastly diminished. Why? Because the nafs comes into check. The nafs comes into control. We live in a time and in a place where people don't believe that anything spiritual is there. Literally, people believe that we're like a sophisticated form of chimpanzee. Some of them actually behave like that. If you look at the way that they behave and look at how they wake up in the morning, how they go to sleep at night, I don't think it's all that far-fetched of a proposition, to be honest with you, without like, regards to aqidah. But the idea is what? Our aqidah tells us that there's something different between us and gorillas and chimpanzees, etc. There's a spiritual component in a human being 
And that spiritual component, again, it's like a marketplace. If the price of one thing goes down, the price of the other thing goes up, etc. That spiritual component of a human being is what it's going to become dominant. It's going to assert itself. It's going to become visible. You can feel it when, when, when the animalistic part of the human being is under control. When the animalistic part of the human being is under control. So how are you going to express that? By eating less, by speaking less, by not looking at uh, uh, the haram, by not listening to the haram, by decreasing your, your consumption. What does it do? It creates a kefiya, it creates a type of, uh, uh, a, a type of uh, experience and a hal inside of a person, a state inside of a person, where now the, the, the spiritual becomes dominant. It's like a horse and a rider. If the horse is going crazy and like, it's like acting like it's a rodeo, is the rider going to be able to ride the horse? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. However, if the horse is like housebroken, it knows when, when it receives the command, it should, it, it should walk. When it sees, receives the command, it should trot. When it receives the command, it should gallop. When it receives the command, it should stop. Then the rider will be able to do many things with the horse, and it's going to be of the benefit of both the horse and the rider. This is what this Ramadan is by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's fadl. That mashallah, illa man sha'Allah, except for very few exceptions, everybody who's in the message right now is fasting. You're in a different state right now. Don't think that this is some sort of special, unique state. There are people, they have this inside of their mind. Because the nafs has all sorts of weird tricks. The nafs has all sorts of weird tricks in order to uh, assert itself. Dealing with the nafs is much more difficult than dealing with shaitan. Shaitan is somewhat, there's like a couple of steps I can tell you. The shaitan you can black or, or block or greatly reduce its access to your, uh, to, to your thoughts and to your, uh, to your heart and to your other critical uh, processes that are inside of uh, your spiritual makeup. The nafs is much more difficult to deal with. So what does the nafs tell a person? Nafs tells a person, you know, this Ramadan is just once a year. It's one month a year. We can't, we can't like sustain this for the entire year. We can't sustain this type of behavior for the entire year. It's like a vacation like we take in the year. And then we go back to the real world. Whereas the reality is what? The reality is completely the other way around. The reality is completely the other way around. This Ramadan, in this Ramadan, if you, if you observe this Ramadan the way Rasulullah observed it and his Sahaba observed it, this Ramadan was the month where things get done. This was the Ramadan, this month was the month where things get done. The reception of the Qur'an, the first revelation was in, in this Ramadan. The battle of Badr was in this Ramadan. The Fath of Makkah was in this Ramadan. The same Ramadan that you're, you're in and that I'm in. And that unfortunately many parts of the Muslim world, they like shut down. People go on some sort of like, uh, uh, like slumbery vacation where they watch like TV dramas and whatnot. Uh, um, this, it's the same Ramadan. It's the same Ramadan, but they approached it in a very different fashion. When I was growing up, I was born and raised in America. When I was growing up, people say, oh, Peter, you don't even know what Ramadan is. You know, you grew up in America. And, you know, the actual Ramadan is in the Muslim world. Then I went to the Muslim world and I saw what people do during Ramadan. And I'm like, Alhamdulillah, mashallah, I'm glad that I grew up. I went to school and I played sports and I did all of these things while I was fasting. I'm glad I didn't see this. The only time when I changed this, this uh, feeling of mine was when I spent the Ramadan with the Mashaikh. When I spent the Ramadan in the company, not of just like average and lay people, but spent the Ramadan in the company of the ulama, the, the salihin, the people of knowledge, the people of practice. 
Why? Because they maintain traditions that come back from the time of the uh, 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 Sahaba from the time of the Aslaf. So you'll see those places in which somebody is making the khatam of the Qur'an every 10 days or in every 7 days or in every 4 days or in every 3 days. You'll see those places where people make the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala and mujahada. Why? Because when you're not eating and drinking, when you're not burdened with this dunya, there's a madad, there's a madad that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala gives you. There's an imdad, there's a, a, a help from the unseen Allah Ta'ala gives you that allows you to do those things that aren't possible in other times of the year. And it's not necessarily because of any sort of supernatural process. It's a very logical outcome from what? From eating less, from sleeping less, from keeping your eyes away from the haram, from keeping your ears away from haram, from keeping your stomach away from the haram, from learning to control yourself. Just like that horse that's, that's trained will take a, the rider much further than the horse that's crazy, the horse that acts like life is a rodeo. Life is not a rodeo. If it wasn't for this Ramadan, this masjid would not have been built. If it wasn't for this Ramadan, a majority of the useful things that are there in your life and in my life, they wouldn't have gotten done. This Ramadan isn't a vacation from reality. This Ramadan is a return to reality. This is what your life is. This is what my life is. This is what our lives have to be. The ulama write this with regards to Ramadan, with regards to Hajj, with regards to many of these things, these occasions that come and go in a person's life, that if a person wishes to see whether this was accepted by Allah Ta'ala or not, let them look and see after it's done. Does their life change for the better or does it go back to what it used to be? Does it change for the better or does it become worse than what it used to be from before? This Ramadan is not something, it's not something that's just this like vacation. Allah Ta'ala didn't make you and me to serve mortgage companies. That's not our, our function in this universe. Allah Ta'ala didn't make you and me to... Uh, uh, make the uh, uh, whatever car dealerships uh, uh, economically successful. Allah Ta'ala didn't make you and I to uh, boost up like consumer spending indexes, indices in the malls and in the marketplaces. It's not haram to buy a car. You can say, Sheikh, I have Islamic mortgage. Great, go get Islamic mortgage. I'm not gonna say it's haram. It's, it's, you know, these things, a person, if they need, need them, then let them take use of them. That's not what, you're, what you were made for. That's not what we were made for. But those are the things that we make vicar of. We dream about these things. We make vicar of them by day and by night. Vicar is not just only the thing that you sit, sit, in, your, uh, you know, sit in your house and somebody grabs their tasbih and then says, mortgage, 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 mortgage. You know, there are some people, uh, some of them, it's not that far from what they actually do. But most people don't do that. But what is it? It's something subtle. It's something subtle. It's something that's even more uh, uh, subtle than a word on the tongue. It sits inside of the heart. The person remembers it again and again and again so many times in the day. And what was the heart meant to remember? What did Allah create this heart to remember? Which remembrance and which dhikr did this heart, what was this heart created to house? The remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Live in the most beautiful house in the world. Many of our forefathers did. Many of us do. Live in the most beautiful house in the world. But the heart is there to remember Allah. Marry the most beautiful woman that, you, you, that you're able to marry. Many of us are already, alhamdulillah. Right? And the sisters marry the most handsome and strong and like uh, 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 attractive man that you can. The heart is there to not remember that person's beauty, that beauty that's temporary, that beauty which is going to be eaten by worms one day. Forget about your spouse, look at your own beauty, it's going to be eaten by worms one day. Everyone's going to die. 
It's not there to remember that beauty. It's not there to remember those faces. It's not there to remember, if it's not there to remember the beautiful faces that you see around you in the masjid, then it's definitely not there to remember the face of Benjamin Franklin and George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. And if it was there for them, it definitely isn't there to remember Andrew Jackson and these types of people. It wasn't there to remember the faces on the money. It's not there so you can move up the corporate ladder. It's not a corporate ladder, it's a corporate hole. It's not there so that you can go down further and further into the hole until one day you, remember, you forget what the... The, the, the daylight looks like. I'm not saying it's haram to have a job. Everyone should have a job, mashallah. It's a sunnah to have a job. But it's not there that your heart makes the zikr of these things by day and night, by day and night. It's not there. Imagine the Quran itself talks about a person's wife and a person's children and a person's home and all these things as being a, a, a fitna for a person, a trial and test and tribulation. Now people don't even remember their spouses anymore when they go to work. They don't remember their children anymore. They'll spend an entire career and they don't give time to their own children anymore. The heart wasn't built for that remembrance. What was the heart made for? This is a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ narrated by Sayyidina Abdullah bin Mas'ud in the Sunan of Ibn Majah amongst other books. He said, مَنْ جَعَلَ الْهُمُومَ هَمَّنْ وَاحِدًا هَمَّا آخِرَتِهِ كَفَاهُ اللَّهُ بِهِ Humuma dunyahu, woman tashaabat bihil humumu, lam yubal illahu fi ayi odiyatiha halaka, okama kala alayhi salatu salam. That the person who makes all of their worries and all of their concerns into one worry, one concern, the worry and the concern of the akhirah. That what am I going to do the day I meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How is this mortgage going to look when I meet Allah ta'ala? How is this spending and these credit cards going to look when I meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How is this masjid going to look the day I meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That I beautified my house in one way and I left the masjid in another way. How is, how is everything going to look in front of Allah ta'ala? And it doesn't necessarily need to be a negative thing. There are so many good things that a person can do. Sometimes there is something that the deen asks you or demands that you do and you absolutely don't want to do it. That's a time that the believer should feel very happy in their heart. Why? Because you know this is going to look very good in front of Allah Ta'ala on the Day of Judgment. Because you know in your heart that there's a sincere karaha that you don't want to do this thing, but you're doing it only for Allah Ta'ala's sake. There's complete, detached, lack of uh, uh, conflict of interest in this deed. Think about how those things are going to look on the Day of Judgment. The person who makes all of their worries and all of their concerns into one worry and one concern. The worry and the concern of their akhirah, the day that they meet Allah Ta'ala, what is Allah Ta'ala going to say? How am I going to face Allah Ta'ala? How am I going to look at Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala? That's a day when haram, halal, these things won't mean anything anymore. If a person does something in there, it's, it's shameful in front of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. You'll find fatwas about everything, by the way. You'll find fatwas about permitting everything. The most obscene and weird things, you'll find some, someone who, 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 who will permit it. But if something is you, you're ashamed to show in front of other people, imagine how ashamed you're going to show, be to show that in front of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. If a person feels like I should pray my sunnahs and they skip it, what are you going to do? Yom al-Qiyamah, if Allah Ta'ala asks you, why didn't you pray the sunnahs on that, uh, you know, before Jumu'ah or after Jumu'ah? Are you going to say, Abu Hanifa says I don't have to. Malik and Shafi'i and Ahmad bin Hanbal say I don't have to. What are, what are they going to be like? Yeah, he, does, he doesn't have to. No. That's the day in the Anbiya alayhi salam, they're themselves going to be afraid on that day. What are you going to say in front of Allah Ta'ala that day? You see, fiqh isn't everything. The deen is not just rules that we worship the sharia and the sharia is itself the objective. The sharia is very important. It's the tool that we use. It's the vehicle that we use in order to make Allah Ta'ala pleased with us, to have Allah Ta'ala be pleased with us. It in and of itself isn't the end. What will happen on that day? 
Will your deeds, will my deeds be something we can show in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This is a pain that every, every, every person from this ummah, starting with the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, until the last person of Iman has to carry inside of their heart. This is that ham that's talked about in that, in that, uh, in that hadith. This is the dard that everybody has to carry inside of their heart. The, 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 the pain and the, 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 the anxiety about the meeting of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it doesn't have to be completely negative either, but it is at times. This is what you were meant to carry. This is what I'm meant to carry. And lest a person forget or say that I never knew about this pain or I never knew about this worry or I never knew about this remembrance. Allah Ta'ala gave us this Ramadan. Alhamdulillah, everybody knows what it is. Everybody knows what it is. The Ummah knows what it is. It's something that we were meant to carry. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wake us from our heedlessness and give us the tawfiq of His remembrance. Allah Ta'ala noble and enlighten our hearts with His remembrance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us this one worry and one concern that we can spend our life and devote our life in order to uh, uh, take care of, in order to, in order to assuage, in order that all the other worries and concerns of the dunya and the akhirah and shooters and all kind of weird stuff going on, all of these things, Allah Ta'ala take care of all of them for us by the barakah of this one Mubarak worry and concern. Wa sallallahu ta'baraka wa ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.